Hey, Devin, ready to crush it? I'm ready to crush it. Let's do this. Welcome to Crush the Midterms, a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes in campaigns and how you can get involved in the upcoming midterm elections. So today we are going to talk about local politics. So Marissa, we had a great conversation with Catherine Vaughn, who's the CEO of Flippable.org, and they focus on state races and state elected positions. We sure did. It was a super cool conversation that y'all will hear later. Um, I think it's a really important conversation for us to have with just seven weeks till the midterms, if you can it's, believe that. Yeah, it's, um, it's coming up so, <laughs> so fast. Like, it's going to be here before we know it. And I think most people have a really good idea about the big races in their area, the congressional races, uh, the senatorial races, if they have one in their state, uh, governors. But... They may not be focusing as much on the super local elections and especially because things are so crazy at like a federal level, they may think, oh, well, you know, whatever local elections. But I think the point that we're trying to hammer home is not not whatever local elections actually really, really important. It is. I mean, local government is often where you can see immediate change in your area, right? I mean, when you're when you're talking about candidates who are running to represent a very specific area and not just at a federal level, but at the state level, you know, many issues that can take months or years to work through the federal system can often be resolved locally much faster. And You know, one of my favorite examples is Moms Demand Action for Common Sense Gun Reform. They have had immense success proposing and supporting local laws that further the cause of common sense gun reform. And they've made an impact and change where at a federal level, those sort of bills would be not as well received. Yeah, I mean, I think what their strategy is just so smart because... After every gun tragedy, and we know there's so many in this country, there's always this huge call for a federal uh, assault weapons ban or background checks. And without fail, it ends up going nowhere, even after something as horrific as the Parkland shooting or, or Sandy Hook. But Moms Demand saw this opportunity to really influence change and So if someone says to you, I don't even know how many people really realize this, but okay, it's easy to say since Parkland, nothing has been passed on a federal level, but there have been many successes on a state level since then. The point where last I checked, I want to say 15 new state laws have been passed to better regulate guns. That that's, that's really, that's something you can't say that nothing's changed. Exactly. And again, when you're representing such a, 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 specific subset of people, you can really deal with issues that are close to home. I mean, a really great example of this that we talked about with Jason Kander last week is that Danica Rome ran in Virginia on on a clearing up the traffic and fixing bad roads. And that was so important to her constituents. And that's really what, you know, catapulted her to victory because she was focusing on something that was important to her constituents, something that she could fix. Yeah, and, and it's and it's interesting because 
a lot of people nationally know her as the first transgender candidate to to serve in Virginia state government. I think, I think I'm getting that right. Um, and um, she just had this really cool persona. She was in a rock band and she um, the, the man that she was going up against, he authored the transgender bathroom bill in Virginia. And she saw that happening. I was like, hell no, I'm running against that guy. But that wasn't what got her to become, you know, her uh, her delegate, her state's delegate. It was focusing on the real local issues that impact pretty much all of her constituents. I once started a petition to get my, the street I was living on to have permanent parking because there was never any freaking parking. And it actually got through. Like, the, you can deal with these issues on a more granular level by working with and contacting your state and local officials. And didn't that feel really good for you? I mean, it like, did. it felt <laughs> great. No, seriously, like seeing a problem, getting personally involved and fixing it is is so huge. And then the kind of flip side of this, though, is that state government can also act as an incubator for damaging laws that are then transferred to the federal government, or at least the ideas are then transferred. So again, electing these local positions is important for both doing positive things in your area, but also preventing the not so positive things. So a good example would be uh, state and local bills that support six-week abortion bans. That is not something that is going to be discussed at a federal level, at least not while we're still fighting Kavanaugh, and hopefully that goes well. But it is something that gets talked about on this state level. And a lot of times these bills make it pretty far through state government. Yeah. And, and they, they also serve as templates for other state governments. So if one, if um, there's a, a pretty insidious abortion laws, well, a lot of places, I believe Iowa has had, had one going through. Um, working its way through and say another state that's interested in doing that says, oh, look what look what I was up to. We, we have the same sort of uh, makeup of our government. We have Republican control of our state house. What's going to stop us from doing the same thing? And the answer is your vote. That's what's going to stop them from doing that. Getting people in your state government who are going to say, no, we're not banning abortion after six weeks. And I think the last really big one that gets talked about a lot is gerrymandering. Because local and state government is what redraws district lines to then elect congressional members of the House and senators for your state. Getting people in those positions that believe in fair redistricting and want to just accurately represent their constituents, not just you know do this packing and cracking idea that really favors one party over the other. So that's something that's a little more... Um, obscure, maybe a little less tangible, but it is definitely an issue. Yeah. And I think that um, another thing that helps me want to focus on on local elections is that today's state legislators could be tomorrow's senators or president. Building that bench. Building that bench. I mean, think about it. I don't know if you've heard of this uh, well-known guy named Barack Obama, um, but he... He started off in the Illinois State Senate. You know, a few short years later, he was the president. And so you never know who is the next rising star or who is, you know, can fundamentally change the party. I mean, that's a really extreme example, but it's also just like 
to your point earlier, who are the people who are really going to help impact change that matters specifically to your state? Absolutely. I mean, uh, Stacey Abrams, who's running for governor in Georgia, is also a great example. She started in her state government and she's really a rising star through the party. And so you're right. Building that bench is also really important. So we're, like I said, we're going to talk to Catherine Vaughn of flippable.org about some of the challenges of candidates running in state and local elections. It, it was a really, really great conversation. And, and she really had a lot to say on the issue and also offered solutions, which I thought was wonderful. Totally. Um, actually, it's interesting thing that's very applicable to this conversation. Um, I went to the David Byrne show yesterday. Um, former frontman for the Talking Heads, and he um, has partnered with this organization, Headcount. In the middle of his concert, this huge concert in Brooklyn, New York, everyone's you know jamming, grooving, having a great time. He just stops and he's like, "All right, <laughs> the election's coming up. It's really important." And then he was talking about the turnout for local elections and how his words abysmal it is. He he was really drawing attention to that specific thing. And it's true. I mean, he said that the turnout is about 20% for local elections. I don't know if that that's an accurate number. But he, his point was like, do you really want to let such a small percentage of the population control everything for the whole population? And uh, that was a really good point. It's like you're you're by not voting, by not engaging in local elections, you're ceding control over things to the people who do decide to participate. Why would you do that? Exactly. Exactly. So we have Catherine Vaughn. She is the co-founder and CEO of Flippable.org. Flippable's mission is to, quote, turn our country blue from the ground up by focusing on state governments. We will build a community of progressives committed to flipping state seats and organizing their communities in defense of progress. We're so lucky to have Catherine. So welcome, Catherine, and thank you again. Thank you for having me. Yes, I was. I, we were just saying before we got started that you were on Hellbent Podcast almost one year ago to the day, which is feels like yesterday so and six million years happened. ago. So much happened. <laughs> exactly. Um, so let's start with, with, can you tell us a little bit about Flippable and why you're focusing on state-level elections specifically? Sure, yeah. So we started Flippable right after the 2016 presidential elections, um, which was, of course, a time when everyone was questioning whether our democracy was working. Um, and I think a lot of the national news and media were really focused on um foreign interference or fake news or the role of Facebook, all of which are definitely uh, issues in our democracy. But we saw a lot of internal misdeeds at play, too. So we saw um, decades of Republicans working steadily to chip away at um, at both people's rights just generally, but also um, at voting rights and um, kind of election related policy from the state level. And so we saw a lot of people really focus on the national level um, for a lot of really good reasons, but maybe less emphasis put on winning back power at, our, at the state level, um, which ultimately is what we need to do to be able to turn our democracy right side up again, um, to be able to pass laws that actually expand the vote rather than suppressing it, to be able to draw better districts, and to be able to pass all of these things, whether it's Medicaid expansion or um, you know full access to reproductive health care or um, actually meaningful gun reform laws, um, all of which happen at the state level. And and I mean, t- today's state level legislator could be tomorrow's senator or president. So I, I think 
maybe is that that's something that you have in mind as well, you know, thinking yeah. uh, further out? Absolutely. I mean, it's, if you think about the long-term play, one of the reasons why Republicans focus so much on state elections, besides all of the reasons that I just listed, is that it builds a bench for federal level office. And so if you think about, um, you know, so many Congress people started out in state ledge. On the Democratic side, you have people like Maxine Waters, Tammy Baldwin, Chuck Schumer, Kirsten Sinema, um, but you also have your Marco Rubios and Lindsey Grant and Barbara Comstock of the world who started out in state legislature. Um, you have the current governor of Georgia, Republican Nathan Deal, and you have the future governor of Georgia, Stacey Abrams, both of which started out in state legislature, um, as well as, uh, you know, some pretty notable presidents like FDR, Jimmy Carter, and Barack Obama. <laughs> so oh, um, you have a lot of guys. people who started out. <laughs> some, some good guys. Um, <laughs> hopefully some good gals as well in the future. So, um, yeah. you know, building a bench is a huge reason to invest in state elections and to make sure that we have really um, amazing people and amazing candidates um, running, particularly on the Democratic side. And, and you also mentioned that Republicans have focused a lot on this in the past. Do you think there's been um, not enough attention from, from the Democratic side? Do you feel like with Flippable, you're sort of filling a gap there? I think so. I mean, I don't I don't like to self-flagellate too much. <laughs> like, obviously, I think that we made, as a party, probably made some mistakes over the past couple of decades in terms of where we focus. And I think that there, in some reason, in some ways, there's good reason for that. Um, I think that Democrats have tended to focus on sweeping national legislation um, that can, you know, provide, uh, you know, whether it's health care for everyone or um, civil rights for everyone. Um, Democrats are not as haven't been as focused on the state level because I think a huge part of our platform are um, rights based policies that should should apply to the whole country. Um, unfortunately, that's not really how our country works. <laughs> so, um, you know, you see a lot of states. Um, passing policies that then get scaled to other states. And sometimes that those can be great policies, um, often democratically passed policies, like um, joining a regional greenhouse gas or, um, gas initiative to try to limit carbon emissions um, or, you know, automatic voter registration or that sort of thing. But then you also see Republicans really investing at the state level um, to test and scale um, really bad policies, whether it's trickle down economic policy that's been shown time and again not to work um, or six-week abortion bans, which are cropping up, um, you know, when you didn't even have 20-week abortion bans before 2009. So you see all this, like what uh, Republicans have called model legislation, um, where it's basically like you write a bill and then all these states do like often really bad copy-paste jobs <laughs> where they take the text of that bill and just slap it onto, you know, whatever state uh, formalities that they need. Um, I think that there have been some stories of uh, model legislation from Republicans having the wrong state on it um, and proposed in space. Yeah, I've also heard stories where it's like on the think tank's letterhead still and they just submit it. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. It's so sloppy, yeah. <laughs> but um, but it unfortunately has worked. And I think that um, a lot of people, because state policy is so opaque, um, it hasn't been very sexy. We haven't focused on it. I think um, we don't, a lot of people don't fully understand just how much of their day-to-day -day lives are influenced by their state boundary lines and where they happen to live. Um, and so it's super important for us to be focusing on states because that's where so much policy is actually written. Right. Well, and state level seats and state level elections are are by design decided by fewer votes, right? There are, you know, it's only, it's limited to the people in that district or in that state. So there's less people and, and that's less turnout. And we know that gerrymandering and turnout kind of go hand in hand here. So 
Republicans, I, th- I think we totally. alluded to, have spent spent a lot of time and, and actually had pretty good long game on this gerrymandering issue where they systematically took over mm-hmm. state legislatures to redraw these lines to protect their seats in the long term. Because I feel like that's that's so, so evident on on these state seat the elections. So how can we counter the effects of unfair gerrymandering or or how can we start moving in a direction where we correct some of that? those wrongs? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think like to speak, speaking to the turnout point as well, um, the 2010 midterms were just, um, just a complete storm, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, well, I mean, obviously we did really badly. Um, and that often happens during a president's first term, you're always going to see a wave in the other direction. But I think what was such, um, so unfortunate about 2010 in particular is that Republicans really invested in states when we weren't really watching. Um, They won a ton of state majorities. And that was the year before redistricting. Redistricting happens every 10 years with the census. So the census took place in 2010. Redistricting took place in 2011. So like a lot of these maps that we're fighting right now in late 2018 are actually maps that were drawn in 2011 and have influenced all of the congressional and state elections since then. Um, And so the people that were voting into office now in 2018 and in 2020, but a lot of people in 2018 who might have four-year terms in state Senate are going to be the ones who are drawing and voting on district maps for basically from 2021 to 2030. So for the next like 12 years of our lives, (laughs) um, the people that we vote into state seats right now are going to be drawing them. Um, There are a couple different ways to try to influence that process um, for the better. You know, when we talk about wanting to win back power at the state level, it's not so that we can just gerrymander for Democrats. It's so that we can actually create a fair democracy that inspires people to actually participate in it um, rather than making everyone feel that their vote doesn't count. Weird how that's our policy. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's like a fair, inclusive democracy that actually works. But do you think we could ever draw a map that that everyone would feel was fair? I mean, no matter how how you slice it, if if Democrats are in control and they redraw it, the Republicans are going to say, well, that's a, a Democratic skewing map. So it's like, is there any yeah. any winning here <laughs> overall? I guess. It's a really good point. I was I was going to say, like, you know, I think that it's a really tough problem. There's always going to be accusations of bias um, software. Like we've gotten to a place where there's such like uh, technological innovation in this space that Republicans have used software to really surgically draw these districts. Um, and so you could potentially use software to try to demonstrate a lack of bias, there will still always be people who say whoever's in power is biased. And so a number of states have passed um, independent redistricting commissions. And um, there are a few of those, um, there are a few ballot initiatives um, in four states this year, one that that passed in Ohio earlier, um, but also in Michigan, Colorado, Utah, and Missouri. So a number of states with differing um, political leanings um, that where citizen groups are saying, this is crazy, politicians should not be drawing their own lines. Um, we should have an independent commission. I would say like the one thing about independent commissions, we are totally pro independent nonpartisan commissions. There's still always accusations. There are often accusations sure. of bias. Um, looking at Arizona, it's a, a really good case study of a state that passed an independent redistricting commission, but still had a lot of problems with people um, accusing members of the commission of being biased. And so um, the devil's always in the details, but I think it's definitely better than having someone who's in power um, decide whether to draw their own district lines or their party, you know, district lines to benefit their party or not. I mean, when you're in power and you you know what it takes to win that seat, you're going to try to entrench your power. So I think it's definitely better to 
um, leave it out of the hands of legislators. Your your point before about how much power we could be, potentially be wielding if we uh, get more majorities of state houses is really, I, I don't think it could be overstated because if we're thinking about controlling the, the powers to redistrict for till the the, uh, the end of the next decade, that, that's really monumental. And is that um, a message that you're trying to sort of hit home to voters to, to have them care more about um, how these state elections turn out? We are. One of the things that we're actually trying to test right now with our community is understanding um, how much they are focused on um, these democratic issues or democracy reform issues, as opposed to like the many other issues that are top of mind for people. Um, I think that like our party has often operated on the assumption that um, gerrymandering and voting rights are kind of unsexy and um, we should just focus on things like jobs and healthcare and education, which are also really important problems. Um, and I think what we're trying to do right now is some really specific message testing among our audience to understand what about democracy really resonates with people because we do have so many people on our list, um, which is not necessarily representative of like every voter, um, but it's definitely representative of people who care and want to do something. Um, the people on our list have been really responsive to issues around gerrymandering and voter, voting rights in the past. These are issues that haven't gotten a lot of light of day, but I think people are learning more and more about now. And it's shocking and just absolutely horrifying when you when you realize that the like the other party has gotten in power and changed the rules of the game so that it's not fair anymore. I mean that's that's just it undermines like every core principle of our country. Um, so I think that there is a way we're we're searching for that way to message it so, so that it has broader resonance. And there are a lot of other really, really great groups doing the same um, groups working on on voting rights and gerrymandering at the local level and at the national level. Um, so it's it feels like we're in really good company. Yeah. Well, so one thing kind of to the point on messaging, you know, we talk on this show, on, on lots of shows, we talk a lot about these uh, federal level races and, and Congress and the Senate, which are obviously very, very important and need to be, you know, focused on. But I feel like a lot of people just simply don't know about yeah. the more local seats. And, and uh, as you get more and more granular, Mm -hmm. um, people know less and less. Even if you're interested in politics, you might not know about who's running for, you know, city clerk or or state comptroller or something like that. Is is there a way that we can make it more accessible and, and easier to find out about these sort of things? Is that something you're working on? Because I feel like sometimes yeah, it's just a matter of trying. not knowing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that yeah. that's kind of like the million. That's that's <laughs> the trick, right? That's the million dollar question. I mean, there's so many um, elected offices in the U.S. I think there's over 500,000 elected offices all the way from wow. really, really local positions all the way up. So um, we're starting with uh, 123 candidates as of today um, for state ledge and hoping to con continue building that out. And, and one of the things that we've done as a team is really invested on um, in design. So we have this amazing designer, Tara, who has helped us um, build a website where it's it, kind of helps navigate you through um, why states are important, which states we're focused on, who's running in those states. Um, we are about to launch a bunch of new pages where each candidate will get, you know, um, their own page and each state will have kind of like a, a fleshed out kind of state landscape and the issues that are at stake and all that. Um, and we've put a lot of thought into both how to make it really visually appealing and fun um, but also how to navigate, how to help users navigate through the whole experience um, so that they're not just overwhelmed. Because obviously, if you just had 
500,000 um, web pages, that also wouldn't be a good experience. <laughs> so it's all a matter right. of like really understanding like who does what, um, which state, like, and how does this work in each state? It works totally differently in every state. Like um, there, you know, the elections are in different years. The primaries are all at different times. Um, how power is shared, whether how things are voted on, whether people meet in committee and then vote on the floor or, you know, it's, it's just all really complicated. And so, um, you know, we're starting with these candidates because we think the candidate stories really speak for themselves and they're super compelling. Um, but our goal over time is just to, to be providing more of that information so that people know where to start and then they know what they can do, um, whether it's an election, a big election year like this year or um, you know, there's no off year. There's no off years in U.S. elections, but um, maybe in a less um, a less busy electoral year and a year where every state house will be in session, and it's really important to be putting pressure on our representatives to do uh, to pass the laws that we want them to pass. Yeah, that's always been striking to me, and I know that you know money and 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 then money is directly related to design and your messaging. And when you get down to these smaller seats, you know, a lot of times these candidates don't have a website or their website is impossible mm-hmm. to use or there's nothing you can't find anything about them. And, and you know, in this very digital age, that that's can be so much of how people get their information. So, yeah, I think design and, and that sort of visual and, and maybe centralizing some of the information is so important. So, well, Catherine, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Yeah, this is great. Thank you for doing what you're doing. We're, we're doing what we can. We're just trying to, to crush the <laughs> midterms. To, to close, um, what would your, be your best advice to people who are, are looking to make a difference in, in local elections in the next, uh, how many days are we at this point? I, I can't keep track anymore. And in the next, Very few. The next few weeks, <laughs> what would be your best advice yeah. for people to do? I think this, this goes back to what Devin was saying about how for so many of these candidates, they really are not working with a lot of money and they need as much help as they can get. So um, showing up, I think so many so many campaigns are just run by dedicated, amazing volunteers who show up, you know, start out by knocking on doors and then figure out what else is needed. Um, and I think that that's a really great way not only to contribute and talk to voters and actually understand what's happening in your community, but also um, to really understand the inner workings of the campaign um, and, and be helpful and be of service in that way as well. Um, so I would, you know, I, I think canvassing can feel intimidating, knocking on strangers' doors and telling them to vote. Um, but it, it is so rewarding. The learning curve is steep. You learn quickly. Um, and then you're doing an incredible service to our democracy. I feel like we could rename this whole show Door Knocking. Just do it. <laughs> just just, just, just do it. talk to people. Put your head up from your phone <laughs> and have a conversation with a stranger about our democracy. Totally. <laughs> I love it. Well, you thank you again, uh, Catherine. And you can find Flippable on Twitter at Flippable underscore org. And you can find Catherine at CV0. So thank you for all the work that you do and, and making local politics sexy. Because I think they're sexy. But I understand what you're saying. Sometimes it's so- hard to get that message across. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, Thank let's you. flip it. <laughs> so that was such a great conversation with Catherine. So glad we brought her in. I want to know my state reps now. I want to run for state rep, <laughs> school board, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like really get involved at that level. I and mean, it's really cool to think about how much power you can actually have. Like people really want to think about these 
bigger, more federal offices because that's the kind of glamorous stuff. But if you want to see your stuff implemented, all about the state level. It really is. And on that vein, we still want you to send us your crush the midterm stories. We want to know what you're doing and how you are crushing the midterms. I'm sure you've made your plan by now at crushthemidterms.org. And we really want to know what, like, what is working for you? What have you done that maybe scared you before or put you out of your comfort zone? And it's so important for us to build this community and, and for everyone to see that we're all working together to, again, in Jason Kander's word, words, build that blue wave. It's not a weather event. It's, it's something we're building. And we want to know how you're doing it. So we love hearing your stories. Um, I, I wanted to share one that we got um, on Twitter after uh, our conversation with Jason Kander um, from Let America Vote last week. Um, it is from uh, someone named Kristen. And she said, thank you all. The pep talk was most welcome and well-timed. I went out knocking doors today for the first time since 2016 when she helped get out the vote on election day for Jason Kander. She also, um, I had mentioned that when you go canvassing, you tend to meet really cute dogs. And she said that she's from Missouri and she said mid-Missouri's dogs are way above average. And she loved meeting them. So if that's not incentive enough, I really don't know what it is. Right. Cute dogs. What could be better? So yes, Kristen says, get back out there. She she had a great experience and, uh, and meet some dogs. So I think for this week's call to action, it's really important to focus on who is running locally in your district. And there are so many elected positions that go way beyond the House and the, and the Senate. And there's state senators, state assembly members, delegates, county clerks, judges, you know, and then there are the bigger ones that we talked about, like governor, mayor, straight state treasurer. And it's, it's going to be almost impossible for you to know everything about all of the candidates. But I think if you familiarize yourself with the races and sort of just look and, and see if there even is someone running in your district. I think that can be very powerful to just know that much. Uh, yeah. And another recommendation, if you're not sure who to vote for, ask people, you know, who are, are really into it. Um, Devin and I are used to, used to being a political friend who people ask. Um, I know in the New York primary last week, there were a bunch of judges up for re-election and I didn't know anything about them. So um, a friend who's a lawyer put out a question to a listserv that she's on um, about, you know, what's the deal with these uh, judge candidates? Who should we be backing? And um, they sent back, you know, a few bullet points about which ones we should choose. It was choosing two of four. And, and that was really helpful. And I felt like that was a really reliable source because it was coming from people who've actually worked for these lawyers. So it's like getting as close to people who really, like, would understand why you should vote for someone and like who has a, a clear point of view on it is really helpful. And people who have a clear point of view tend to love talking about it. I know I do. I will go off the rails with you if you ask me who you should vote for in your local election. So, oh my God, last week I joked that I felt like I was election Google because yeah. I got so many questions for the New York primary. And like by the, by the end of the day before the primary, I was kind of burnt out. But then once election day started, I was like, rejuvenated. I'm like, ask me all your questions. Please go vote. <laughs> right. Back in here. I'm back in here. You know, we talked to Catherine Vaughn and and tools and sites like flippable.org can be really helpful in finding 
and organizing the massive amounts of information that comes with state and local elections. So, you know, there are lots of tools out there that you can use and that can make this a little bit easier for you. I also want to do a quick shout out on our on Hellbent's website, hellbentmedia.com slash action. You can actually register to vote right from there. So vote.org has all of these tools. So if you go there, you can register to vote. You can check and see if you're registered to vote. And, you know, I I think we're just going to hammer that in weekly. We're coming up on the midterms, seven weeks. Make sure you're registered to vote. And if all else fails, if you just want to get some info and you don't know what to do, just just tweet at us. We are we're around. We are are very much around. (laughs) And we love talking about it. We love. So on that vein, yes, you can you can tweet us at crush 18 midterms or at Hellbent Pod, And then you can also tweet me at Devin Handy and you can tweet Marissa at Marissa Cabus. And we will talk about it all day long. All right. We'll see you on the Twitterverse. Thank you all so much for listening. And we will be back here next week with another very special guest. Go crush it. Crush the Midterms is a production of Hellbent Media. It is produced by me, Devin Handy, Marissa Cabus, Varsha Venkat, Josh Handler, and the whole team at Purpose. You can find more information and make your own personalized plan at crushthemidterms.org. You can also find Hellbent Media online at hellbentmedia.com. We love Twitter, and we want to hear your stories about how you're crushing the midterm. Find us on Twitter at crush18midterms and at hellbentpod. Together, we're going to crush the midterms. <laughs>